We're recording the podcast. Welcome to Recipes for Disaster, the podcast. I am your disaster, Iris Ramirez. And today I have a really awesome guest. He is a singer. He is, I would say, an actor. He is a specialist in all things music. Right now he's a coffee drinker. He's a coffee drinker. So hello, guest. How are you? I'm I'm great. I I'm warm. I'm in my my Mario winter sweater. I'm drinking a okay Chick-fil-A coffee. Ooh, love that. I love coffee. Um, yeah, also your sweater is great, by the way. Thank I really, you. I love that. I fight with my mom every time I wear it before Christmas because I tell her, I was like, there's no, I was like, there's nothing Christmassy on here. And she's like, there's a snowflake. And I'm like, well, <laughs> a snowflake is not intrinsically connected. It, it's very Christmas. fitting. I feel like it very, it very much fits your style. <laughs> of just like the Mario theme and the... Christmas sweater. Yeah. yeah, it lets me connect to 14-year-old boys really well, which, I'm, you know, <laughs> that's everyone's goal at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's me when I sing. I literally am a 14-year-old boy with how my voice cracks. <laughs> so I understand that. So tell everyone your name. Uh, my name is Caleb Daniel Ricketts. Tell us your story, just where you're from, how your life has been, all of the above. Sure. Um, so I was born in Danville, Virginia. Um, I actually grew up thinking that Danville, because that's the name of where Phineas and Ferb are, I thought that it was the same town, but it turns out that there's actually a Danville and I think about 45 of the 50 states. Really? So I wasn't, yeah, apparently. So I'm not as special as I thought I was. Cause I, I used to tell people, yeah, I'm from, I'm from where Phineas and Ferb were, but like. Where I lived was not a tri-state area, so, <laughs> so it clearly was not the case. Um, I moved here when I was three years old because my uh, my parents, uh, they both wanted to come back to uh, Rainbow Bible Church uh, in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And um, that's, where, that's where they decided to go. And um, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that, that's where I've spent most of my life. I've never really considered myself to be from Virginia because... I don't have a whole lot of memories from when right. I was three years old, yeah. but uh, that has certainly changed the trajectory of my life because um, Danville, Virginia is a pretty small town. There's not a whole lot to do, but Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow is known for being a ungodly, massive, massive high school, uh, which right. was nice because um, it gave me a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise because I, I've always been a performer. Um, and Broken Arrow has been a school and a district that has allowed me to do things like that. Cool. Yeah. So you pretty much grew up always doing music and performances and stuff. Yeah. I, uh, 
Um, my, let's see, I think, I think some of my early, my parents' earliest recollections of things that I would do is that I was, I was really into Veggie Tales, you know, as like most <laughs> kids were. And I would sit and I would sit in my crib and like I would sing the Madame Blueberry song over and over again. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. For what? For some other reason, and I don't, I haven't figured this one out. Apparently, when I was in my crib, uh, whenever Britney Spears would come on, I would really <laughs> just start rocking in the crib. I was like, "Hit me, baby, one more time." That's about me. I'm the baby. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I. I also have some kinds of like times where my parents would say like when I was younger, I used to love this song in Spanish and I don't know Spanish, but apparently <laughs> I knew every single word to that song. And so I would always just like, yeah, like from the crib, just always dancing and singing in Spanish. And I'm like, I don't remember anything of that. And I still don't know that much Spanish. So, You know, I think I think the thing that let my parents know that I was going to be a performer is that, you know, a lot of kids they do things like that, right? They're, right. They'll, they will be extroverted and they'll be free when they're younger. Um, but I just kept doing that. Mm -hmm. And that just kept being a part of me. Because for instance, when I was in fourth and fifth grade and there was a, there was a, there was a, a little choir program, after school choir program in my elementary school. Um, I remember I, I just talked with my mom about this not too long ago. But she said that while she was watching me perform, all these kids, you know, they were just up there. Most of them look like their parents just wanted them to be in a choir program or wanted right. them to do something. But I took it as I was the soloist the entire time. <laughs> I, My mom said I had the most pizzazz, that I just was into it the entire time. And it's hilarious looking back at it because, I mean, especially I didn't grow up in a musical family. So when it comes to any of the music that we were doing, I was never reading music. I was never doing anything. It was all about performing. It was all about having a like expressing myself. Yeah. And I think that was a, a core part of me because I, well, when I came to sixth grade uh, middle school where everybody had to make their big choice, of, mm -hmm. you know, that's like, at least in the Broken Arrow District, whatever electives you chose, that was kind of the, uh, the path you were gonna that was the path you were yeah. going to take for the rest of your life. We're going to be a band kid, choir kid, or like a drama kid. Sound like I'm talking about freaks and geeks or something like that. <laughs> but uh, I was going to enroll in band uh just because everyone else i knew was going to be in band and that's mostly just because of broken arrow um for the two people in the world that don't know the uh, broken arrows band is a massive thing yeah, it's like the it biggest is. thing about them no joke whenever i'm anywhere out in the country and i mention i'm from broken arrow they're like your band is so good i'm like yeah i know <laughs> stop talking about it <laughs> yeah it's probably i would say the biggest one in oklahoma for oh sure. for sure for sure yeah they've won <clears throat> and I'm not that knowledgeable in the contest they won. I'm sure, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad by any means. And they're great. It's awesome that they have a program. I just like complaining about it just because, like, you know, other kids wouldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. What, when, I get to, when I got to high school and I was in the show choir program and we were doing awesome things, I'm sure people felt the same way about me. Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, when I, was in, uh, when I was in fifth grade enrolling for middle school, um, I sound so clerical. As my, you know, it's mostly my parents enrolling for me. Um, I was going to join band, but I had actually, I'd seen my first musical um, just about a week prior yeah. uh, to when I had to turn in that form. And um, today it sounds like the most basic thing ever, but it was Phantom of the Opera at the Tulsa <laughs> Performing Arts Center. Um, was it basic? Yeah. But to, a, you know, to a fifth grader, basic doesn't mean anything, especially right. when it's the first time that you're discovering something. Right. And, you know, if it's basic, 
most of the time, there's a reason that like it's so widely loved. Mm-hmm. Not always. I mean, I can give a spiel about the music industry, but I won't right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, a later thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just remember that there was something about that performance and just because and I was even should I mention I was in the balcony at like the very back enough that I like had to buy binoculars, which is so (laughs) funny to me. They sold binoculars in the lobby because they knew they just knew that you weren't going to be able to see from there. (laughs) Yes. And so um, and, you know, I was when you're when you're young like that, you're just mesmerized by like experiences that you've never had. So I can't. It's funny to me to think how monumental that first musical was for me considering that I watched it all through binocular lenses because like I just thought it was fascinating to watch something through it just because I wanted to see these I wanted to see these actors and performers faces and I wanted to see everything close up and I think I just never because you know I I didn't come from a musical family or anything Mm -hmm. um, just to see all of those just arts together of, of singing, of, of, of staging, of acting, the costumes. I mean, you know, the giant chandelier that happens. That's the, the hugely famous thing to like my 10 year old self. I was like, this is the most incredible thing in the world. Yeah. And I knew, and it was something about the music itself. Because mm-hmm. while I was in with my binoculars and I was zooming in on those performers, I was like, wow, that's, that's some awesome stuff. I want to learn how to do that. And I, uh, I decided, you know what, maybe I'll give choir a chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, that happened to be a very important decision, I think. I mean, do I think that I probably would have eventually found my, my way back to, like, vocal music in some other dimension where I chose band and, like, am an amazing, like, trombone player? Probably. But the pro the the vocal program and the vocal experience that i've had over the past 10 years has really shaped me that's awesome yeah that's really cool i i love what you said about just having the binoculars with you yeah. i feel like that's a really cool metaphor just for you in general how you just saw music like you could see just straight through what you wanted and yeah. how much you loved it and nothing else was going to change that like everything else surrounding you that you couldn't see or I guess that was there. <laughs> just you, it didn't affect you. You just right. wanted to to keep pursuing music, and I think that's such an important part of loving what you do is just knowing that for sure that is what you want to do no matter what. That is important, but I think what's actually even more important than that is, especially when you're a kid and you don't have your entire agency. Right. I think the other important thing is having parents that are willing to let you Mm -hmm. do the things that you want yeah and my parents always firmly believed that they wanted their children to be a part of something because you know as a kid it's pretty important to be in some group right you know that that just just it, it builds a lot of like um just talking skills and just being a person you know, it, sh- it shapes you. Not that you should be shaped by the groups that you're in, but it's, it's important when you're younger. Right. And um, they spent most of my elementary days trying to get me to play, I don't know, everything. Soccer, basketball, football. Oh, they tried. They tried. <laughs> they tried so hard. I mean, when it came to baseball and, you know, my dad, my dad, I, I'm, I'm, I should mention I'm, I'm the first son. I just have a oh. younger brother. So I, I was the guinea pig, you know, the trial. They really Same wanted <laughs> They really wanted me to, they really wanted me to be in sports. And um, I just never, I don't know what it was. I just never found sports interesting. I never found, I think 
And to this day, I've just never really enjoyed being outside that much. <laughs> um, may, could that be just because I'm a fair-skinned redhead? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just in my DNA. Um, I just have a memory of like <laughs> when uh, when I'm playing baseball and um, they the team that I was on, you know, they have like the outfield, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I assume because I was such a crappy player that that's the reason. But they made another position for me. So I was further than the outfield and I'm basically all the way at the outpost. Because, oh, no. <laughs> you know, they just because like if I'm on the team, I'm not going to do anything. Which is hilarious to think when you're talking about fourth and fifth graders. It yeah. sounds like so fantasy football, big deal. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I'm just sitting at the very edge. I'm just sitting on the ground, picking grass, not paying <laughs> attention to anything. Well, they hit a ball, and then I hear all of the audience. The audience. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that's the performer. I do that in me. all the time. The base, the baseball audience. <laughs> I hear the baseball audience cheering for me. Cheering for me to make my grand entrance, no. Cheering for me to catch the ball. And I guess where I was standing was just in the perfect location because I do happen to catch the ball. Whoa. Right? That's and really cool. <laughs> it, is, it is cool. And I was just, yeah, and I was going crazy, but it just, it was, yeah, it was. Uh, Were you sitting or standing when you caught it? Um, I had just like stood up and immediately caught it. That's it was, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was like my one claim to fame. Yep. Yeah. Or the or the other time where um I think when we were playing soccer and uh when my, my parents for whatever reason were the soccer coaches, I think that they they thought by being the soccer coaches that like <laughs> like then I like wouldn't have a choice and like you know, My then, dad was my soccer <laughs> coach too. The funny thing is neither of my parents even like soccer. That that was the same with my dad. <laughs> my poor dad was my soccer coach because one of our coaches, like we had two of them, yeah. and one of them just left and they were like, Rick, you're in. And so he was just like, Okay. And so he was my <laughs> soccer coach too. That's weird. I think that's just a thing that happens now. I don't know if anybody else has had that experience but that's I don't know that's really weird <laughs> I just have the fond memory of um scoring the winning goal by tripping and hitting the ball with my head <laughs> that sums up pretty much like that in baseball sums up how like the athletic part of you <laughs> went pretty much <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was not great um I don't know I, I just I just never found it fulfilling I mean to, to this day I just never I don't even fully enjoy watching it that much. I mean, I've, right. I've watched basketball with my dad or something like that, which that, that I can enjoy. Mm -hmm. But I've just never been that fanatic about it by any means. But um, so like I mentioned that my parents, you know, they were very important to um, allowing me to progress and do what I wanted. Um, but also what was really important was my sixth grade choir teacher. Right. Uh, because uh, Mr. Rosser, um, he... He saw a lot in me as like a little, you know, 11 year old crapper, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, he contacted my parents saying like, I think this kid has, has, has gift. And, uh, he said that he wanted to do voice lessons, which like to, uh, you know, a lot of parents I, I can imagine and, and probably to, for a lot of parents of boys, they're like, Oh, I don't know about voice lessons yeah, or like, Oh, it's a way for them to make money off of me. Yeah. 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 But, um. I guess he swindled them well enough or whatever. And so my parents decided decided to do it. Um, and thank, thank God that, that uh, they did because um, I loved voice lessons. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm now starting to teach voice lessons myself. Oh, cool. And I, I have a different insight into what it's like because right. I think as a young kid, 
having the chance to have that one-on-one time and having some and having someone older and someone who you think is wise and full of all this infinite knowledge, right. which is just any adult when you're young, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> having them spend that time with you um, and like just have the focus on you is just so cool. Like even if you're just not even that into music, it's just like this is I've just haven't experienced this before. Yeah, or and, those moments when it just clicks in your head when yeah. they explain something to you and you're like, what? <laughs> and it was a it was a big progression of things because um, when I was when I was in sixth grade and I was t- and I was twelve years old, uh, my voice had already gone through most of the puberty, um, and so for that reason, Mister um, Rosser had decided to move me to the seventh and eighth grade. Uh, like uh, boys choir, um, which, you know, it's not a big deal. But when I was 12, I was like, oh, Oh I'm the shit now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, so it was just small things like that. And uh, from what my mom said, it changed from a hobby and something that I liked to something that I was a little bit adept at when like Mm -hmm. everything I was doing, everything that I was going out for, I was getting or excelling at. For instance, like they have the Allstate program to where you have um, they send you music and you have to work on and there's a big audition or whatever. Yeah. Um, whenever I got that in seventh grade, it was like, wow, I can't believe I did that because I was like the only seventh grader to do it. And I got mm-hmm. it again in eighth grade and then in ninth grade and then 10th and 11th and 12th. Yeah. And like my and, and my and yeah. And so to my parents, they're like, I think he's really got something. But what was always important to my parents as well and um I think this is important is they told me, they're like, if you want anything, you have to work at it. Right. And that was something that I really took to heart because I, <laughs> I just, I think, I think it's funny looking back at it. Cause I, I know that not, not every family, especially not non-musician families have experienced this, but I, I rehearsed my music and that ridiculous all state music, but the ridiculous all state tracks every <laughs> single day, every single day during the audition period for like, I don't know, an hour or two hours a day. Um, and I firmly, you know, I, I'm, I, I believe that I, I do, that I do have a gift. I'm not, I'm not going to jump around that, but I, I also believe that, um, putting in that work is what allowed me to have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was just a big crescendo of things. And like, it was, it was just weird to start being known for something. Yeah. Cause you know, um, cause, cause then I, also, you know, when you're when you're a male in a choral program <laughs> and you're like a, a male that can sing, that usually means you're going to get more things <laughs> right. because there's just not that many of you. Right. Um, so, you know, I got the solos or whatever. And to like mm-hmm. to a lot of kids, I was the darling. And, you know, <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I will fully admit, I think I, it really got to my head. Yeah. Honestly, because, you know, I was young. I didn't have any any idea of of like humility or whatever. I just was like, I'm getting all these things. And I was like, I'm awesome. I am awesome, (laughs) which it's good. It is, it is good. Little Caleb to know that you are awesome. Right. But, um, yeah, I think that was an important thing to learn along the way. Yeah. And that kind of leads to your performance career now and how that all has been working. I think, yeah, everything you just said was, just really great. And I love how similar our choir stories are because <laughs> I also did um, all region, but in Texas where it's like really intense. And, oh, yeah. And I didn't start doing that until I was a junior in high school. And so by my senior year, 
when I decided, yeah, I want to pursue music education now as my um, like college career, I auditioned for All Region and got first chair in the first round. And it was just, it was kind of crazy because I came back home to my dad and I was like, hey, I got first chair. And he was like, really? I knew you were going to do good, but not that good. <laughs> and so that was kind of the moment where he saw like, yeah, this is something that you you really yeah. love and you've been working hard at. And and that was the moment where my parents could see like everything just coming to be until like what I wanted to do for college. And th then they were like, OK, sure. Now you can you can do this because we see how much you love it and how hard you're working for it. And doesn't yeah, doesn't that just feel so fulfilling? Yeah. Just to have. Yeah. For them to agree with you. My my heart breaks for and I mean, I, I know I know plenty of them, too, but just uh, really stellar musicians whose parents right. just don't support them right because you know there's just a lot of people who who just don't see it as a lucrative profession by any means or anything or or it's it's just the means as a as a hobby or just a way to to not work which yeah <laughs> yeah and i think it's super important for us as musicians now and it took me a while to like call myself that because yeah. i never considered myself one until i came to college but it's important for us now to help those those kids with that same the same goals and the same dreams who yeah. want to do that and to be that choir teacher who says hey i see something in your your child and i think we should keep pursuing this so, yeah. yeah i think that's super awesome and i i really love it um so kind of moving forward on to the whole point of this podcast sure. is <laughs> so recipes for disaster what is a time where you felt like a disaster and how 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 did that play out oh we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> so i'm talking this up i feel like i'm I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'd sound like the hero of this epic poem, right? And I just, <laughs> I just keep building up all these great things keep happening to me. Um, I, I, I started out when I started out in voice lessons, I, uh, I did a bunch of like, like golden age musical theater stuff, right? right? I was really into that. I think I always liked the sound of, um, like, classical ish music and like i think i just had a very fake idea of what classical music was maybe that's because the first thing i saw was phantom of the opera right. and there's plenty of people who say i like opera like andrew lloyd Webber, and i'm like <laughs> shut up yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um yeah i uh i started to do uh, a bunch of other things because i remember once i got uh, at the high school level show choir was a really big thing mm -hmm. And um, I, um, I mean, if anyone just looks at me, I'm not a dancer. Am I a mover? Yes. I, do I move a lot? Do I move a lot when I perform? Yes. Um, can I be choreographed? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, and I, I hate to say that Broken Arrow Show Choir, um, in not in terms of the drama, although sometimes, uh, but in, in terms of how it looks and like. It's basically likely. I hate to say that, mm -hmm. but it's pretty. It's pretty close. Right. Um, but like, we would bring in this choreographer from I don't know some some big city that was important, and we paid a lot of money for him. And <laughs> it's been a week learning this horrendous choreography, and I'm a really bad sweater after I move for like I don't know longer oh, than same. thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I always worked so hard. I think that's the reason why yeah. I would sweat so bad because I was like, I have to get this perfectly. Yeah. And I was like, mental sweat too. <laughs> <laughs> that just, that just happens to be physical now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I found, cause before, you know, I did everything very, um, 
proto-classically, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I I started to discover um, that I liked singing all kinds of music. Right. Um, Like I I loved, um, when we were in show choir, it would be a lot of things that were kind of belty, which looking back, I think a lot of the things I did were what I would call bad for my voice, but you know, I was 17. You have, you have a time in your life where you can be stupid. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and there are a bunch of, there are a a bunch of things like that. And I should mention, I mean, when it comes to different genres and different styles, one of my biggest influences has always been Freddie Mercury Mm -hmm. because back when I was in sixth grade and the first time I ever heard of queen was when my family was playing rock band three and um, they just turned on Bohemian Rhapsody and I was like on the vocals and my mom was like, sing it. And I was like, I don't know this song. <laughs> and I sang it and I was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and then I spent that night researching uh, like, like who's queen and like listening to all their music. And I thought it was amazing. And then I think it got to like three in the morning and then I searched up who's this Freddie Mercury guy. And I found, I, I, I went to his Wikipedia page and it said birthday, September 5th which happens to be my birthday, yeah. which I was like, oh, my goodness. It's meant to be. And to 12-year-old <laughs> right right me, I mean, that just, like, broke me because, I, I don't know, I guess a celebrity has never had the same birthday as me up to that point, <laughs> apparently. But um, that suddenly felt really important. And uh, I don't know. It was like – it felt like there was, like, a link there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it suddenly became an important role model and part of me because, um, like, the amount of – the amount of concert videos I have, the amount of like Queen lore knowledge that I've had, I think is all stemmed from that and like feeling mm-hmm. like this is destined, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I bring that all up uh, because whenever people are in my, whenever people were in my car or whatever, uh, my favorite thing to do was I'm always the driver. I love being the driver. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of music. Mm-hmm. I think I love being in control of the music. And I, I love singing absolutely everything at the top of my lungs. <laughs> um, and I have a memory of friends saying, Caleb, I, how does your voice match every song that comes on? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like a different genre. And you're like, that song matches you too. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think I just loved music in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I not not having to feel confined. Yeah. Just everything about it. Well, I said the reason I say all this is because. When it came to my senior year, and um, I spent six or seven years feeling pretty comfortable um, being in high school. Because, you know, when you're a high schooler, you don't really have to think about the future. Right. Um, And just being comfortable with, like, opportunities keep coming and, like, performance opportunities. Um, But then I had to realize that I had to make a choice of what I was going to do in the future. And I thought that I was going to go down a musical theater route mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, I love, I, I like performing. Um, and I was, I was like, I, I've, I've enjoyed every time I've been in a musical. Um, I've been to some like musical theater camps and things like that. That is the dorkiest phrase in the world. <laughs> musical theater camp. Let me tell you. <laughs> Just music camp. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, see, I, I spent two um, summer programs at uh it was at Oklahoma City Universities, mm-hmm. uh, their their uh, musical theater program, and again, like I mean, it was a blessing because you had to. Kristen Chenoweth is from Broken Arrow, and she went to OCU, right. and so she had this big thing where you auditioned into her boot camp or whatever, and so she, but she selected um, two people to uh, go to this uh, intensive program 
for free, free of mm-hmm. charge, which is cool because it was like four thousand dollars for three weeks. And like <laughs> my parents love me, they don't have four thousand dollars <laughs> yeah. for a summer program. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got that twice. I, I, I was I, I was selected out of all these people to to be in that program twice, and yeah. that was I mean that was ma- major blessing because yeah. um, never would have had that chance. And I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I teach voice lessons currently, I I have memories of things that I learned from those camps four or five years ago that I still use. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I mean, you put on a musical in like three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, which was a wild experience, <laughs> should I say. But um, I, I, I mean, I was blessed to have like the lead in both of those programs. Yeah. Will I say that like, you know, proportionally there were much more girls than there were guys. And so the chances of me getting something were higher, 100,000%. Yeah. But still the opportunity was just awesome. You mm-hmm. know, like performance experience. Yeah. Um, and so I think having met those professors and like being on that campus and I had never really been to any other college, I was like, OCU, that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm putting all of my cards. Right. And, um, so when I was, goodness, it's so embarrassing to look back on because when I was planning out, uh, where I was going to go to college, my mom was like, where are you going to audition? And I was like, OCU. And she was like, where else? And I was like. I don't need to audition anymore. Else. Yeah. I was like, that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I was Because like, I mean, I had the, I had the phone number of like the program director and like, like he had, he had told me before after, after a performance, he was like, I really want to, I really want to help you son. I really, I really want you to be the musician performer, like the best that you could be. And like, mm-hmm. that was really important to me. And so yeah. it, it felt destined, right. Mm-hmm. It felt like a really big deal. Um, and uh, yeah, so when it came to audition season, I, I conceded with my parents and I, I said, OK, yeah, I'm going to go to I'm going to audition at like NSU. Fine. Sure. That's where I'll go. Um, I was like, I'll audition there, too. And then I had a bunch of friends that were going to Arkansas, which at first I thought was really funny um, that I was like, why would you go to Arkansas? But now I have like six or seven close high school friends that all went to U of A. Oh, cool. And I don't know. I don't know why they, they went from like broken Arrow, Oklahoma, all the way you, all the way yeah. to U of A. Yeah. But, uh, for whatever reason, there's a connection there. Yeah. But, uh, sorry, we didn't audition there. Um, and when it came to that audition season, um, cause I was a little turd and like, you know, auditioned like as quick as possible to OCU. Yeah. Um, and I had everything prepared and I was ready. And some of the things I'm not going to get into what I auditioned with, but I should not have auditioned with them. <laughs> yeah. When I was a senior, you know, I thought like, I know absolutely everything about music. Um, I was leading this. I was leading that. <laughs> right. Yeah, same. I don't know Did anything. That too. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I literally uh, was. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I could, I could slap. 17 year old me <laughs> quite a few don't times know everything <laughs> <laughs> um but i it's funny because when i think of my ocu audition um i remember that being probably one of my worst auditions i've ever had yep <laughs> and i think a lot of that was because um i i, I got so into my head mm-hmm. about i was like this is so important this is the, I was uh, because like this this is where my destiny is going. I yeah. have to go to this school. Mm-hmm. I put all my eggs in this basket, um, and you know because of that, I mean I, I think many many vocalists can attribute to this just because we live with our instrument. Unfortunately, the second that you feel a tickle in your throat, you're like it's over. <laughs> oh goodness, it's <laughs> all over. That's me. I'm just so <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> um, 
And so what I, what did I do? What did I do in uh, once I felt some tickle and thought that I was going to be sick? Um, I probably should have just, you know, had some tea, had some water, calmed down, maybe take my voice easily. No. What did I do instead? Instead, I just kept practicing over and oh over and God. over until I was like, it's not perfect yet. Why Why are these notes not coming together? Which I know now why I could not sing those yeah. notes. And that's purely <laughs> just a support thing. But um, I did that and I think I, I took like... I swear, I think I, I I drank an emergency like once every twenty or thirty minutes, oh ridiculously. Because I was like, I was like, I, I need I need the vitamins. I need to help myself. And so that, on that vitamin C. <laughs> I, you know, there's there's just too too much of anything. And I think I honestly, I think I, I think just all the crud that I put in myself, and also freaking out just made it awful yeah just made it absolutely awful i mean not to mention that i also thought i was a baritone at the moment and so it's hilarious some of the things i sang because um, <laughs> I, I there's one song that was like uh shall overthrow i can't oh sing gosh. that by any means yeah i th- sure sure Me thought now. i could when i was like 17 <laughs> um yes yeah, so that was an awful audition and uh then my whole brain was like what what do i do what do I do? And I, I remember I auditioned at NSU. They liked me a lot. Yeah. Right. And they wanted to give me money, but I was like, well, they're not, they're not OCU. Yeah. I went to U of A and to this day, um, I just remember being on the, the Arkansas campus and knowing like, I don't want to be here, mm. which I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, excuse me. <laughs> um, we're keeping that in. <laughs> <laughs> um, nervous bird. Um, <laughs> All the memories are just flooding back and you're like, oh no, here we go again. Um, so when I finally heard back from OCU, um, they, I think they gave me something like $12,000 or something for a music scholarship. Yeah. That's nothing to shake at. That's great. Right. But you know, it's also an expensive school. Yeah. So everything's just on a, a scale. And um, my parents were like, well, like, yeah, that's nice money. But like when you graduate, you'll be like $150,000 in debt. And I was like, me right now. I was like, but mom, I was like, I know I'm destined to be there. So it's <laughs> fine. I was like, everything will work out. I know. Yeah. And uh, she was like, well, I don't know, because like, I'm going to have to co-sign on those loans. <laughs> and she was like, so I don't, I don't know if my destiny agrees with you right now. Um, and uh, I just remember how upset I was at that because I was like, my parents always supported me so much and this is the next step mm-hmm. was, why are they why are they not with me here now right and um i i had just so passionately told them that i wasn't going to go to the other two schools by mm-hmm. any means and uh for we get to the second semester and you know it's like it's january passes february passes march passes that's yeah that was the order yeah yep. <laughs> um that's as far as i can go um and uh i was still planning on going to host you well once it was the end of april um we had a solo and ensemble competition not the normal solo and ensemble co- competition that happens at the state but it was right. just something that broken arrow was doing um they're their own little state now. <laughs> no, well, yeah, but mostly, mostly because show choir was so big that like all of the normal choral programs we couldn't attend anymore, which is kind of a bummer. But yeah. um, so they, they tried to have their own solo ensemble thing. Well, anyway, one of the judges was Susan Goldman Moore. Oh, wow. 
and uh, yeah, which uh, she used to be a professor here at TU. Yeah. Um, and the year previously, my junior year, um, she had judged when I um, sang a piece. And I think I, I sang some aria as like a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. I should not have sung, but that's, I mean, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm sure my Italian was a garbage, but, um, and I, I, uh, Susan had, uh, really, really loved that performance. And she was, she was like, wow, you're great. And she, and, uh, so when she came back to judge the following year, she recognized me immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I sang something again and she, she was like, that was awesome. And then she was talking to me. She was like, Caleb, are you, um, are you planning to go to TU at, at, or like, have you auditioned at TU? Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, no, I'm going to OCU. <laughs> like bullshit. <laughs> like seriously <laughs> talking to this other professor. Yeah. Who's like, <laughs> He's like obviously trying to recruit you. And you're just like, no. <laughs> and, um, oh, goodness. And, uh, well, she, well, I told her, um, I was like, well, it's also, it's April. I was like, aren't you guys done with your auditions? Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah. She was like, but we could still give you an audition. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. And so I was telling my mom about everything. And I was telling my mom that um, Susan had been there and that she recognized me. Mm -hmm. And um, I told her um, that, I I told her that she asked me about TU. And um, my mom was immediately like, like what what about it she was like can you can you still audition she was like yeah yeah like she said like something like i could still audition or something i wasn't really paying attention and my and she was like you need to contact her because she gave me her contact information didn't want to do this so my mom basically wrote this email for me um and um yeah well i was talking to susan and susan um Well, uh, I'll just say it. It's fine. She's gone. <laughs> um, she uh, had said, she was like, if you audition, I can guarantee that we can give you a full scholarship. And I, I, and I was like, okay, whatever. I'm still going to OCU. Oh my, but my gosh. <laughs> but my mom was like, Caleb, that's a huge deal. Yeah. That is a huge deal. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess. I guess so. Um, and so um, we set this up. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just audition. It's fine. It's whatever. And um, so I had prepared the same songs that I had done throughout the audition season. And keep in mind, this is like end of April. So like this is like almost two months past um, their normal audition dates. Um, And I had sung after recital class. Um, And uh, I think, what did I used to call my neck? I think I used to call it Ming. I think that's how I read it. I called it Ming Recital Hall because I, I did. <laughs> oh, I guess I just wasn't reading, and yeah. I saw the M and a G, and I was like, "It's Ming." <laughs> Ming. It's yeah. For people who don't know, we have a recital hall called Mining, and it looks really weird, and it's impossible to spell because anytime I have to use that in a subject line, That's I'm true. like, "Mining." And you have you have the red line for spell check, and you're like, "Well, you're not gonna help me." <laughs> yeah, because you're like, <laughs> you don't understand what it is either. <laughs> um, but I I went into this. Um, I went into the audition and um, I thought, well, first of all, I will say, even though, um, even though I didn't want to go to you, I thought that um, the lobby that I was in, I was like, this is beautiful. I was like, mm-hmm. this is really cool. Um, you know, and later I would figure out how much the school would just want to trash it, but that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> right now. Yeah. No Tina shade on that, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, when I went into the audition and uh, I, it was 
No joke. Like at a complete, complete 180 from OCU. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably one of my best auditions. I should yeah. also mention that I think I I think I auditioned on a sinus infection or something. So I like, you know, I already had like a buffer yeah. or, or, or a nerve. Nerve, sorry. Yeah. I'm getting my terms all mixed around. <laughs> a nerve. Um and uh yeah, it was still one of my best auditions. And this is the funniest thing to me because um, did you have a, an interview or whatever, like afterwards right after, with professors? Yes. And they were like, what are your goals for your future? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just want to go eat right now. I'm hungry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why this is, but um, I just firmly remember that that interview was probably one of the most charismatic times I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> like everything just felt like it was flowing so naturally. Yeah. Maybe it's because I thought it didn't matter. I don't know. But um, you know, I think mine was like that too. I'm like, yeah, I've been in an opera before. Like it's no big deal. <laughs> really like I, I feel like but i feel like the environment is just like that they're just so welcoming when you have those because yeah with the professors there yeah they're so sweet but um yeah they they really liked me um is it hugely because i am a male sure <laughs> yeah. i'm sure i'm sure but they did really like me and um susan told me Afterwards, she said, yeah, we all agree. We would definitely give you a full ride if you come. And I, t- I showed my mom that and I was like, yeah. And um, <laughs> she was like, well, you're taking it. And I was like, I'm what? What do you mean? She was like, you're taking it. You're going there. And I was like, but I don't want to. I don't want to go there. Yeah. And she was like, but you're taking it. And I did not want to go there. And I think a large part of the reason I didn't want to go there is because for one, at what I was going to do at OCU is I was going to be a musical theater major mm-hmm. as well as a vocal performance major. Right. So I would have a classical and musical theater like background. Yeah. Or yeah. something that I would go into. But at TU, I'd have to exclusively do the vocal performance and be classical just mm-hmm. because the two programs are, are not as intertwined. Right. At all. But um, yeah. And but the other thing, and this is hilarious, should I say, considering it is literally just like two hours but to me, staying in Tulsa was just absolutely abysmal. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all of my friends are going out to these cool places like Fayetteville, Arkansas. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. But I was like, I have to stay in Tulsa. Yeah. Um, which Fayetteville is kind of a cool place. I just like crapping on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a big bummer. Um, yeah. But then for... The last month of uh, high school, I feel like all of that agency was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. Sounds so dramatic. Um, but um, <laughs> And then I was just going to TU and I was a TU student. And I, I, I remember I was so broken up about that. Mm-hmm. I was so broken that I had that I had to go here. Um, yeah. And I mean, that is, that's that's that is the seed, I think, that started into like where I felt like the most yeah. uh, disaster. Because I spent the entire summer dreading mm-hmm. coming to the school. Um, I didn't even have a clear reason. I think it was just because I wasn't going to OCU. And yeah. I think it's because I had built up in my mind so much that I was going there that not going there, I felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just that, so that. I mean, that really broke me down. But I, when I eventually got here, um, I just, I, I had a, I had a, I had a new roommate, um, that I hadn't met before, which I'm not going to go into that. But, oh yeah. That happened to me too. So I get it. Um, and, uh, it was, 
I mean, it, it, everything, everything was just new and different. It was, there was, there was people that didn't know me. I know that sounds really stupid, but like when I was in Broken Arrow, as big as the school was, and I mean, this is just true of like any performer at the school, but like people knew who I was just because right. like I literally was shut, my, my face was shoved everywhere. Right. It was like put on posters everywhere at the school. We had like, we, we had a, it was the pulse, like the news channel or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was interviewed like a gazillion times because I did everything. I was, mm-hmm. I was interviewed to show off the musical, the straight play, the show choir. Um, I was also, <laughs> this is a big meme amongst my friends. I was also Mr. BA. I won, <laughs> I, I won the male pageant. Aww. <laughs> I love when high schools do that. They're so funny. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me though. In all yeah, no, I, I love, that's my favorite thing. I think actually, I'm actually wearing my Mr. BA shirt right now. Oh, that's I am, hilarious. I am, I'm wearing my contestant shirt. That's, it's so it's so faded that you can barely read it. But yeah. That is hilarious. <laughs> you know, when Bryson was on this podcast, he was wearing his high school shirt too. And that's what we're talking about. And I'm like, everyone's just like repping their high school stuff. And I like rarely ever wear mine. <laughs> I, I love, it is the biggest, it's when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I had no school pride because I was like, school pride is dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but now being graduated... I love being all out stupid crazy about Broken Arrow because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Every time we've gone on a choir tour or whatever and we've gone back to Broken Arrow, I'm like, oh, when we see those tigers falling, like, we're going to win this game. <laughs> That's funny. And then you're, you're like, yeah, I was on that poster. Yep, yep, my, yep. my picture is right here. Yeah, I signed that. But when I was there, I didn't want to do anything. I mean, like. They would ask me to sing the national anthem at like the wrestling game or something like that. Yeah. And every time they asked me to sing the national anthem, I would sing and then leave. <laughs> yeah. Wanted to stay yeah. by any means. I feel that. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So once I got to TU, um, everything was different because, mm-hmm. um, you know, nobody knew who I was. And it felt yeah. like, wow, I'm, you know, back at. I got zero XP again and I have to, I, I have to start farming and grinding again to yeah. get, uh, to get all these experience points. I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I think another thing that was really hard for me is that I felt like I knew my voice and I felt like, you know, I, I, I know what it means to sing as, as Kayla Ricketts, but I had, I had always thought that I was a baritone, which is what I had um, worked on. Excuse me. My coffee's really coming back to fight me. <laughs> which is what I had worked on in voice lessons when I was in middle school and high school. But um, when I was in college, my voice teacher, Dr. Childs, firmly believed um, from when he was vocalizing me and from my audition, he said, I really think that there's a tenor voice in you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, and this is, this is something that a lot of, uh, uh, young, young male singers do, but, um, I, I have a, uh, I have a strong falsetto Mm -hmm. and what, um, a lot of young males can do is, um, they, when they can replace their higher notes, um, with a very strong supported falsetto Mm -hmm. and to the untrained ear, it sounds like, Oh, wow. He's got those higher notes. Yeah. When I don't really, I mean, technically, like I'm singing it, but like it's there's a clear difference in um, in like a supported top head voice and uh, falsetto. Now I'm turning into teacher mode. I guess <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, there's it's my, there's good to my explain advert. it. It's good to explain. There's it. my advert. But um, 
Well, the reason I bring that up is because um, that transition was really hard for me because right. all of a sudden it felt like I didn't know my voice anymore mm -hmm. because I was getting handed all these songs and repertoire that had a much higher uh, tessitura, which is um, where most of the notes lie. Mm -hmm. um, than I had ever sung before. And I felt like it was infinitely challenging for me. Something that I felt like was my calling card and was always easy. And yeah. I understood, mm -hmm. felt like it was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And that on top of being stuck in Tulsa mm -hmm. and like all of my close friends, you know, being in these new places, new experiences, um, all of that came crashing down on me. Yeah, And it didn't help that uh, when I was in, when I was a freshman, I had auditioned for Theater Tulsa's American Idiot, which is a which is a rock, a rock opera, <laughs> as they call it, a rock opera. <laughs> uh, um, uh, it's literally just all of the music from the American Idiot album and one. Uh, there's another supplemental album. Um, it's all put together um, in a. It's called an opera because there's no text mm -hmm. basically, and it's just continuous. It's just continuous music. Um, the plot is also garbage, but I don't have to go into that. <laughs> um, basically, I played Johnny, which is uh, which is the lead character. That was really cool. It was a weird experience because being Theater Tulsa, um, I had just graduated high school. Um, it was weird to have that role because that meant that most of my cast members were like six to ten years older than me, right. which was a little alienating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for our cast party, uh, we went to Kilkenny's. First time I'd ever gone to Kilkenny's, by the way. It's this amazing Irish pub in Tulsa. Everyone goes, all the musicians for some reason. It's the best place ever. <laughs> I love it. It is my favorite place to go. That was my first experience there. And it was hilarious because everybody there was getting, you know, it's a pub. So they were all getting, they were all getting drinks and whatever. Uh, but I, I was there with my Coke. <laughs> like, Being hey. the, only, the only person. Um, yeah. Um, but the problem I think an additional problem with being an American idiot was that the character I was playing was like definitely like a deadbeat, mm -hmm. um, like someone in high school that uh, just thought that they were the most amazing person in the world. Oh no, what parallel am I bringing up right now? He calls himself the Jesus of suburbia. That's a big. <laughs> that's a big theme of of the musical. Um, and uh, he, it, it's just so many nihilistic themes of like thinking you're so important, but he doesn't really put much work into anything. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, he's just like a musician in a band that like wants to, wants to be huge. And so he, he basically travels to this big city with his guitar and like tries to be a troubadour or whatever. Um, but then it, it all comes crashing down and he realized that he's actually worthless and nobody likes him. Um, <laughs> it's very nihilistic. It's sad. Yeah. That, that's, that's a very quick overview. Um, it's fun. I'd listen to it, but, um, I really, as I, as, as I mentioned with like, well, I, I made a joke about there being parallels, but I think I took that to heart a little bit that I was mm -hmm. playing a character that like really felt like they were important and then had to realize that they weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, th I felt like that reflected a lot of what I was feeling yeah. as a freshman in college. Yeah. And I don't think that helped mm -hmm. by any means because I, I took on a lot of bad aspects from that because I, I don't know, I became a silly method actor, I suppose. <laughs> um, and I didn't know, I just, my freshman year, I did so many things that I wouldn't normally do in college. Mm -hmm. I was a great student um, in high school, but then, I mean, my very first class when I was a freshman was Latin at 8 a.m. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I'm not joking when I say I probably attended three or four courses the entire semester. Never would have, never would have done that when I was, when I was in high school. But, um, and it's funny because everyone made jokes about it. Mm -hmm. All the adults saying that you would do something like that. And I was like, me, never. Yeah. Impossible. (laughs) Now it's like every semester is a running battle. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) like, let's see, let's, let's, let's see how good can I be this semester? Um, Just learning that, you know, I'm not an A student. I really am kind of a B student in in terms of motivation. Yeah. Yeah. That, some some things happened like that and i also just found that i was none of, none of my friends from high school were talking to me anymore because you know they were all having their new experiences they all yeah. had their new friends but i was finding it hard to really connect with new people because mm-hmm. you know i was and it wasn't the case but i felt like people didn't get me or whatever right, right? and i felt so so boxed in and um i mean i felt boxed in because for one thing at the school, I was doing purely classical music, mm-hmm. and I felt like I wasn't ever having the chance to perform, you know, how I had. Like, right. you know, I, I didn't didn't have the chance to be that fifth grader and have that pizzazz or whatever yeah. while I'm performing. Because, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's kind of rough about classical music sometimes. It can feel very stuffy. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's not the chance to really um, express yourself, which mm-hmm. there is, but, you know, it's just like... It's high, a different way. It's high, high vocal performance art. Yeah. But... Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was a very troubling time for me. I, 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 I started doing things I never thought I would do. I got into a lot of parties and bad things and just mm-hmm. found myself in, in bad areas, burned a lot of old bridges, but, you know, mm-hmm. everyone does that at some point. Right. I, I felt so, I, I, it was just a constant feeling of, like, feeling like a failure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I, um, and I had, for the first time, for the first time in my life, um, during that period, I really felt like I had nothing to give to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to, not to, you know, dive into anything too much, but, um, I just had some dark thoughts that I'd never really had before. Yeah. And then I, cause I had grown up, um, in the belief that, you know, you can, if things go bad, that you can, you know, just stay positive. Just stay positive. <laughs> but I think for the first time that I I just realized like I, I have nothing to be positive about. I don't I don't want to be positive. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. I don't want to be positive in the situation. And everything everything just built into itself. And I think I just felt so so boxed. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was I was put in a situation where I couldn't just be be me. And I didn't know who I was anymore because I mean I didn't, I didn't have my friends that, that, that made me feel important. I felt like my, my parents were against me whenever I mentioned that I didn't like the school. Right. I, I felt like I didn't even know my voice anymore. Cause now I was dealing with a whole new instrument mm-hmm. and I was like, what's the point of me anymore? What's mm-hmm. the, what's the point of any of this? Um, but I think the way that I got out of that, is really just having to it sounds silly, but um, take a step back and and realize the things that I did have. Yeah. Because 
is, I mean, honestly, it's what my parents always told me to do, mm -hmm. but I, I guess, again, I was just too short-sighted and I could only focus on the bad things. Mm -hmm. It didn't help that like, I also gotten out of a pretty bad relationship mm -hmm. as you know, most, most like high school relationships that carry off into college have their, you know, yeah. they all end or whatever. So that, that stuff happened as well. Yeah. I felt like I was uh, stuck looking at all the negative, but when I had to take a look at the things that I had gained, I realized that I had got a very close relationship uh, with two of my best friends, um, Wyatt Hargrove and um, Alex Vest. And um, those were two new relationships that like, I didn't really realize how they were affecting me mm -hmm. because I mean, there were new people to rely on and new people that knew Caleb in that format. Yeah. As much as I tried to talk to, um, other friends uh, from like high school or whatever, um, they knew old me, but they couldn't conceptualize what I was going through currently right? because they weren't around me. Um, so that was super important. Um, and a lot of the, that feeling of failure continued mm -hmm. um, while I was through college. I mean, cause we have the NATS program, which is basically like, well, I mentioned like a solo, like a solo contest earlier. I mean, that's like the same thing, but yeah. the college level. Yeah. Um, and I remember how just the rude awakening of not making it mm -hmm. and not getting anything my freshman or sophomore year and just, you know, that building into like, wow, I guess I was truly just worthless, I mm -hmm. suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I just wasn't cut out for this. Um, and I had a rebellious period and I felt like I was always searching to find myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I my sophomore year. Um, I had a semester, I call it my rebellious semester, where I changed from a vocal performance major to a BA music, which a BA music is like the general music degree, mm -hmm. um, with a minor in musical theater. And I was like, that's what I need. I just hate classical music. I just need to go back to musical theater. Um, <laughs> and I did that. Um and I took, I had to take a bunch of dance classes. That was a miserable semester. I was in ballet, modern dance, and a dance history course. It was just a lot. It was yeah. a lot. I never, um, I, I dressed very flamboyantly, but I always had to dress in like sweats and like um, a flannel. I just yeah. looked like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> what? You couldn't wear your Mario sweater? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, but I think while I was doing that and while I was, hearing a lot of the other musical stu musical theater students, um, I started to realize I was like, I don't really feel like I fit in with them either. Mm -hmm. And it just was really confusing to me because I was like, well, I don't fit in there and I don't fit in here. I was like, so what do I, I was like, what, what, what do I do? I have to make a choice. And when it comes to like the institutionalization of music, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the two paths. Are you going to be a vocal performance major or are you going to be a musical theater major? And those are the paths that you have to, to go down. And it's so divided. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, there are, you know, there are some programs that allow the change, but like, you know, most people believe that you have to choose at one point. Right. I mean, I even, I even tried the the jazz program, the little jazz program that we have at TU. Yeah. And I, I, I took some jazz lessons, but I also felt, I was like, this is not, I was like, I don't know if this is what I want either. And I was really confused because before it just felt like, singing and music was just easy. It was yeah. just free. I yeah. just was doing what I wanted. And I, uh, as, as, as the years went on and I was still trying to find myself, 
um, and always feeling like a failure. I think the big thing that changed uh, was my relationship to my best friend, Wyatt, mm -hmm. because Wyatt had shown me. And I think I discovered this actually. Yeah, I discovered this freshman year. Uh, he told me that he writes music and I was like, that's cool. That's cool. And he showed me some stuff. I was like, this is awesome. Like, Wyatt, this is so cool. Yeah. Uh, I should mention, me and Wyatt, um, this is awesome. I think this is really special, actually. I very, um, so after, after I had uh, the abysmal Latin class, mm -hmm. my first music class in LPC uh, was Music Theory 1. Right. And um, I, I, perhaps it was just because there were, because um, I just wanted to sit next to, like, I, I don't know, a guy or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, guys and girls, different sides of the table. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, maybe I just found why it's hair fascinating. Who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so I, I I sat next to him and I think yeah, there was there was another guy, Jacob, who went to my high school. Um, uh, yeah, I sat next to them. And after the class was over, um, a bunch of us guys were walking out and uh, we were just talking about music and albums and things like that. And uh, I just continued talking to Wyatt about albums and like some of the favorite things that we like. I was really into Queen. He was really into Beatles. And we were talking about just different things. And uh, then we just kept doing it. We were just like following days. We just we just we just kept sitting next to each other talking a lot. Aww. And there was just a connection. It was just his like he's one of the first people I met at college and he's still one of the most important people that I talked to. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, the reason that him making music is super important is because um, I came to find out later that I was other than his like really close high school friend, that I was the first person that he just told that he didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I had just asked him, what, what do you do? And he just said, I, I make music. <laughs> And um, he would never say something like that before. And I mean, still like to, for like a few years, he would never mention that. Um, and uh, that was important because, you know, we make music together now. Yeah. Turns out yeah. two years later, he had asked me, uh, I remember it was right after my sophomore year ended. There was a number of reasons why that year was terrible too. Um, always feeling like a failure. Everything I do, that's, that's. That was the new new norm at TU. When I was in high school, I was like, I'm just incredible. Everything's building up. But yeah. nope, exact opposite in TU. Yeah. Always feeling like I'm in a box. Well, Wyatt had told me that he had this song that he had, rec that he had written, um, but he didn't think that he could sing it because mm -hmm. it was kind of a high falsetto thing. Mm -hmm. And he, he was like, I know that you like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, he was like, you're a queen fan. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, why don't you come over? Why don't you come over and like, we can work on it. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I went over and we didn't even end up working on that song. Should I say, <laughs> uh, we, we, the song in question, um, this is, uh, this is going to be a blue hues archive now. <laughs> this oh, cool. conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the song, the song in question was "Elevator Thumb." Um, oh, okay. But uh, yeah. the song that we ended up recording instead was he was like, "I just wrote this new song uh, called 15 Letters," and I was like, "You just want to work on it?" And I was like, "Yeah." Always worked on it, and it was which is my favorite song, by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, we had worked. It, it's really funny because when we first were doing that song, uh, we really we're writing it as a shit post uh, <laughs> because we were just trying to make it sound so stupid because um, Wyatt had written these like really 
this really neat introspective poetry. Like mm-hmm. the lyrics of that song are really interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of great phrases. Yeah. Um, uh, like silk embroidered psychosis shake. That's probably my favorite thing he's ever written. But um, yeah, while we were uh, working on that song, um, a lot of the things were a shit post. For instance, like, you know, it, it ends with like 16 gong hits or whatever. And like this really ridiculously drawn out chord. And I had the joke I was because why it was playing around with this little stylophone, which mm-hmm. a stylophone is, is a synthesizer from the seventies that like you use a <laughs> stylus, like looks like a DS stylus. Yeah. Um, and you just play on a, on a little digital keyboard. David Bowie used it a lot. And it's like a toy. That's mm-hmm. what it was marketed as. It was a toy. But um, I was like, let's do that. Well, I was like, let's use that. And uh, it started as a joke, but then it became something that we actually really enjoyed. And we continued doing that because we worked on we worked on that song. Um, and that was something that he'd written. And the next time that we met, um, we were going to work on some other song. And I started playing these chords um, of a song that um, I had in my head. I was just, you know, just mindlessly playing through the chords. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, it's just something, just a song. And uh, he was very interested in whatever song I was playing. Um, and then he he was like, let's, I don't want to work on whatever we were working on. I want to work on the song that you're playing. And I was like, sure. It just happened to be a song that was related uh, about my high school relationship. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, kind of personal. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to work on this. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it just feels like a lot. Uh, but he was like, I mean, we can, he was really just trying to coax me. I think he just mm-hmm. found what, whatever chords fascinating. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? Fine. We can work on it. And, um, we worked on it and, uh, we were recording on a cassette player, which was, that's what also what we record 15 letters on. Uh, why I mm-hmm. thought it'd be funny if, because the cassette player just has four tracks. So like mm-hmm. you just wanted to limit ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we worked on this song that I had written called Lavender Lullaby. And, um, I distinctly remember, I, I remember, I don't remember every performance I've done in the same way, but I, this is one of them that I do. I remember how cathartic that particular performance felt mm-hmm. like when I was recording that song and I really opened my eyes, mm-hmm. I think, because in doing that, I realized how me that was Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even like I was you know doing any pizzazz or whatever as I mentioned but like all of a sudden that felt like me it felt like my voice Mm -hmm. unfortunately um, the recording that we used um, we didn't even have a pop filter because we didn't know what we were doing so there's a bunch of awful consonants you can listen to it on Spotify and have your ears bleed but um, (laughs) it's still special to me just because when I listen to it I just remember that particular performance and it opened my eyes to a lot of things and the reason that's important is because we spent that summer and it started off as a joke uh, where I was like, why, let's write an album. And we're like, ha, 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 sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, then we actually, we actually did. And uh, we, we kept working on things. And we, over the next couple of months, we had, uh, we had a solid eight tracks together. And um, that was like the first time in like four years or like three years at that point that I, I felt like I had some, I had done something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was Caleb again, that I yeah. had felt like I had reached that again. And I, I think after releasing that, and um, I think it just opened my eyes because all of a sudden I realized 
that on on in that project, I had sang a number of different things, and my 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 voice just has a knack for um, you know fitting whatever role it, it wants to. Mm-hmm. I think I'm also people say that that Billy Joel is a mm-hmm. chameleon when when it comes to genres, <laughs> um, and I I, I I he's a pretty big. Um, inspiration of mine too. Um, so I, I like to think that that maybe is Mm -hmm. part of it. I love taking in a big breadth of different things. Yeah. But I had just realized, I think that what made me feel better was realizing that I didn't have to be limited. Yeah. Yeah. Realizing that, um, I could express myself in like in, in classical music stuff that I was studying because I, I do, firmly believe that it's important. I think that's an important basis as a vocalist or musician, as staunchy as that sounds, <laughs> but, um, that I could equally express myself, uh, during my own music. Yeah. And, um, I, th- and I mean, looking back at it, it's just monumentally important. Um, right. what I, what I thought like going to you, um, for all of its, horrible things that have happened at the school for all the ways it's disrespected my degree and the, and the, the music school. Right. It's been so important. Yeah. I've met, yeah. I've, I've, I've met two of the most important people there. Um, I, I've met Wyatt Hargrove who I continue to write music with um, and who I, who I just, we just performed our first gig not too long ago. And that was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've also, I mean, I can't understate it that I have also met my wonderful girlfriend there as well. Um, Hello. <laughs> she's here. In she's stu- she's here. here in the studio now. In the studio, my dining room, kitchen, or living room, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, as much the thing is, is as much as I want to hate those situations, mm-hmm. as much as I have so so much bitter memories and malice towards that time of my life, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am at all without experiencing right. that. And I've learned so much more. It's humbled me, mm-hmm. especially. But yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm thankful for what I've experienced as much as I've complained about it for about two or three years and will continue to if yeah. you ask me to. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, now I, where I find myself at now, I continue to write music with Wyatt. Uh, we have so many things that we want to record that we want to perform. But I also, like I've mentioned, I think at the very beginning, I'm also teaching voice lessons. Yeah. And I feel like I'm really going back to my roots. Yeah. I just taught two of the voice lessons yesterday. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I felt like, to me, even in uh, teaching, it feels like a performance almost. Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm just emulating what was given back to me 10 years ago to begin with. Yeah. Um, and it all just feels like it's coming full circle. Mm-hmm. And I... To me, I just want to, it's important to me in my studio that I just want to instill to musicians and performers that they don't have to be bound yeah. by anything. That as a, as a musician, that there isn't just one or, or two paths. That as a musician, it's most important that you are you mm-hmm. and that you are performing your truth and that you're performing your own pizzazz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I absolutely love that. I think just... the music itself is so difficult to get into and I love how you explain just your beginning to where you are now yeah. in that and and just how important it is to you and and how you found community within that with with Wyatt you know and your your band is doing fantastic at least that's how I see it like I I think you all are doing just absolutely wonderful things and I love being able to support you all and 
and help you out in just any way I can, even like with this podcast. I just wanted to hear your story, but also <laughs> like get that kind of like behind the scenes of like how that all came to be. And yeah. I think it was was really awesome how that how that just worked out. So yeah. um my question for you is what advice would you give someone who is currently in your shoes or is in a similar situation as you? My biggest advice, um, I mean, like I've, it's what I had to do is to really take a step back and just take stock of the things that you do have mm -hmm. and just, just make sure that you're not just focusing on the negative. Mm -hmm. I think when my parents told me to stay positive, I think that there is definitely an issue with like staying positive and acting like the negatives aren't there, mm -hmm. but it's equally important that you know what you do have. Yeah. I mean, for instance, like I could complain as much as I want, but I was going to school for free. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, like that's, <laughs> that sounds so stupid to complain about that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, I already sound like, you know, <laughs> a lot, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's important to really, take stock of things like that. And I mean, know, know that you are in charge of things. If, if you, if you need to make a change, mm -hmm. you make a change. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't just have um, the chance uh, to work with Wyatt thrown upon me. He might've brought the idea, but I had to fight hard with him to actually like release this mm -hmm. or have people try it. I mean, it's, it's, it's important that um, if it's something you care about that you really go after it. And more than anything for the musicians and honestly, anybody, I'm, um, if you really care about something, you can't just write off the talent. You have mm -hmm. to put in the work into that. And that's what's mostly important because people see that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So now for the recipe, the recipe. <laughs> the recipe. So as you know, this is called recipes for disaster is and it, <laughs> it is, <laughs> I know it's, I here, you can also, if you want, Oh, I have that. I for love you. a change of hat. Yes. <laughs> so I actually just got that the other day. So Ugh. just so you feel even better <laughs> when talking about this. So what recipe would you say corresponds with this story and why? It's it's a few, actually. Um, I Anyone that has ever dined with me knows that I am kind of a sauce god. As it used to be my Twitter name. Um, I'm very into dipping sauces. Um, I like to correlate it with the fact that when it comes, you know, I'm drinking my Chick-fil-A coffee. Unfortunately, I didn't have this happen today. But whenever I do go to somewhere like Chick-fil-A and they ask you what kind of dipping sauce, um, I am not afraid to say all of them. I am not afraid to uh, try to have as many of variety as I can. And I think, honestly, I think that correlates pretty well. Um, I, I, I don't believe in, in just just sticking to a Polynesian sauce mm -hmm. in my life. I believe having the Polynesian Chick-fil-A ranch, buffalo, whatever the other ones are as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I think the other really important thing is that um, I, I firmly believe that uh, sauces that are made by restaurants are, are specifically designed for that place's food. Mm -hmm. So I, I think those sauces are are... You know, if I'm if I if I am the uh, chicken establishment, my sauces are exclusively made for me and a mm -hmm. variety of them. And I just think it's important to remember that. Yeah. Don't limit yourself. Yeah. Even in sauces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If but uh, see, society is like Popeye's chicken. 
telling you that you can only have two sauces <laughs> and that if you want more, you got to pay for them, yeah, which they're not right. If you, if you want more, you got to work hard. You got to mm-hmm. work hard for those sauces. So yeah, I'm not, I am not employed by a chicken restaurant. But we're still like stealing that deep fryer, right? Oh yeah. From oh yeah. Sonic? 100%. Okay. 100%. Nobody heard that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you see it on the news, it wasn't us. Cool. So yeah, I think that that kind of wraps things up with the podcast. Thank you again for being on this show. And yeah. I'm so excited for this to to do something in February. And yeah. you will actually, the listeners, get to hear um, Caleb, Wyatt, and their band on our theme song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm so excited for that. So probably the intro to this was them, just so we're clear oh, yeah. when that actually is going on. <laughs> I, I can say in the future, it's already amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same. I absolutely loved it. And I'm so glad that they got to do that for me. So <laughs> anyways, yeah. So thank you all for listening. And if you would like to find Caleb and his band, you can search them on uh anywhere uh you can find us where uh the blue hues you can find us on spotify on apple music wherever you listen to music now we also post all of our updates on our instagram which is the dot blue dot hues to see all of my horrible memes that i post (laughs) they're really great by the way they're they're really fun (laughs) thank you so much for having me today yeah no this was this was awesome and i i loved it so yeah yeah cool bye friends bye